love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's easy, especially when we think of our neighbors as our friends and family. But what do we do with those people that we really don't know anything about? The Human Family Podcast hosts conversations with guests from local religious and cultural communities to explore a more complex narrative of who our neighbors are in the greater Santa Barbara area. Welcome to the Human Family Podcast. My name is Kenny Chisholm, and I'm your host. This week, I'm joined by co-host Kunjal Patel, and we're talking with Art Cisneros, who's a Chumash elder and firekeeper. He shares about his family's history with this land and how life here has changed over the past 75 years. We'll also hear about his practice of prayer, how he situates himself as one of many living beings in our universe, and how that informs his message of forgiveness and changing the world through relationship. This episode is quite different from most of our episodes, both in audio quality and in structure. We recorded this outside, so you'll hear the sounds of my east side neighborhood, and we hope that that adds to the listening experience. As far as structure, today's episode is more like storytelling, with a few reflections sprinkled in. Grab a cozy cup of tea or a cool glass of water and enjoy our time with Art Cisneros. You're currently listening to the edited version of this episode. If you want to hear the full conversation, which includes a deeper history of the Shumash community pre-colonization, Art's work in other faith communities, and some specific areas in which he has a heart for protecting the earth, check out our extended version in the same place you found this episode. I belong to my mother's clan of the Shumash people, which is up the creek, which you might know as Montecito Creek. Mm -hmm. And there's two forks. One goes Cold Springs Creek and then Hot Springs Creek. Mm -hmm. At the confluence of those two creeks is where my grandma lived. Uh, my grandma Rosa Romero and her family lived there. And I know this from my mom who told me stories. Confirmed by an, another elder from a village just down the creek, mm -hmm. Shalawa. Uh, Marcus Lopez can attest to what was going on. So the community was quite large and vibrant way back. I was going to share with you a bit about what you had asked me about, about the polarization of, of our community, the division, the separation, the, the, the angst that has caused us all to not trust each other and to see each other as someone other than the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's who we are. We are the people of this place. So thank you so much for inviting me to share a bit of what I might know, what I've learned, and what I hope uh, the people who listen to this might begin to understand. You haven't posed any questions to me in the moment. I'm just sharing a bit of what's coming to me immediately. And part of that is to, to let the people know where I learned what I know. So I learned most recently that I came into this world with sacred prayers. I didn't know that when I was four years old, wandering the creeks in San Inez. My grandpa had built an adobe house where the Shumash community is now in Santa Inez. Where the casino is, my grandpa built an adobe for one of the members there, Francisco Flores. And my uncle told me the story of how it was built because he was there as a little boy mm -hmm. and, how, and how they did that. They built another one, which is where they're going to build a museum. That's where I lived. 
when I was four years old until I was 12. And there was no freeway. There was, there was only 400 people living in the whole town and everything was rural. There was, there was big ranches, not the subdivisions that you see now. So I would wander the creeks and this is where I learned a lot about my connection to the, to the land. This story may sound a little bit difficult for some folks to understand, but I had a playmate that no one else could see, <laughs> Willoughby. And I didn't know where that name came from or anything like that, but once I became educated, I lost contact with him. And that occurred when I started to go to church. My parents were Catholics, and so I was raised uh, in San Inez and went to Mission Santa Inez and was so inspired by what religion and spiritual practices do for the people that I wanted to know more about that. I became an altar boy. I learned the Catholic dogma. I learned, I taught catechism. I thought I was going to be uh, not a priest, but maybe a brother, you know, mm. belong to a, one of the groups of people that taught. My first year in college, I changed my mind. I met people who were from other places, from mm -hmm. India, from South America, and had different spiritual practices. And it came to me, they're not going to go to heaven because they haven't been baptized. <laughs> and how silly that thought became. You know, once I started to understand, they were just ordinary, wonderful, beautiful people who had a different perspective and a different way of celebrating our creation and why we're here. We are all the same. And that's where I want to introduce the original teachings of all indigenous people that were taught to me, not only by my Shumish elders, but elders from around the world. I've been blessed to have been invited to uh, meet people. So my college education ended up one year. I got a job, I was only 16 when I entered school, I was way too young, Cal Poly, and um, very competitive, School of Architecture, and I completed one year and, and knew that wasn't for me. And by golly, I got a job with a civil engineer who said I could, I could learn and be paid for everything I learned. So by the time I was 18, I was making a lot of money and didn't go to school. And I got drafted in 1966. That was the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And in the induction center in Los Angeles, there was a Marine Corps representative who convinced me that I would be a surveyor in the military. All I had to do was sign up for one more year, which I did. I attended an army mapping school, a cartographer, which gave me a military occupation status of a map draftsman so I wouldn't go to war, right? Well, that didn't turn out to be the case. <laughs> My expertise was needed and I volunteered in place of two other people. One was recently married and the other one was going to have a child. Mm -hmm. And I was single, unattached, and so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do that. I probably won't ever volunteer again. What came to be was the lessons in how difficult it is for people to get along and the fact that human beings teach each other to hate yeah. and to destroy and to disrespect 
um, each other. Yeah. So I guess I had to learn that lesson so I, I wouldn't repeat it. And I would teach others and anybody that I knew that was going to be wanting to go in the military, I would counsel and try to convince them that you don't want to participate in the death and destruction of other people or other cultures. And that took some time to <clears throat> resolve post-traumatic stress disorder. is something that I didn't understand until I failed in a number of marriages and relationships and drugs and alcohol and all that kind of business. My cousin came to rescue me, my first teacher, Tatacho Muhuwit. And I went to hear, at his invitation, an elder, grandfather, oh my gosh, Lakota. Grandpa Wallace Black Elk uh, was presenting in the Midland School up in San Andreas Valley, and I showed up intoxicated. I was not in, uh, and I'm prevented from entering. I was taken by my cousin. He said he would be responsible. When I went to the last chair at the very back, Grandpa started to speak. And I can't say it other way. He opened my heart. And I knew that I had to do something else. <clears throat> and it was um, such a moving experience that I wanted to learn more, not only from Grandpa, but also from my own teachers. It put me on a road of discovering around the fire ceremony, songs, language, and I have been on that road ever since. So I've been very, very, very fortunate in the teachers that I did have who led me to other teachers. I spent several years with Grandpa Wallace in his ceremonies when he came to Los Angeles. He had a group who supported him called Maka Oyate. And, uh, I would carry a big drum down to the gathering, and Grandpa really loved that big drum, so he kept asking for it every time he was in L.A., so I, I got to share that. So I was invited to uh, his ceremony for Vision Quest, called Emblacha. i got to remember these names correctly. And it was the most profound experience to see an elder not only conducting the ceremony, but also with his awareness of everybody on the mountain. And he would call attention to, oh, go look at so-and-so, they're having some trouble. And sure enough, when we got there, they needed some assistance. So he shared, showed me, and shared, what it is to be connected to the world that we know as the natural world mm -hmm. in an intimate way and in conversation with all that is there. I have been invited by the Shumish people to participate in ceremonies and helped create a ceremony on an island, which is called Lemu. Everybody knows it as Santa Cruz. And so I was asked to create the sacred fire, sacred space, and conduct ceremony there for the people for the weekend. No fires are allowed out there at the time, and I had to convince a ranger and I did, and we became very good friends. And eventually the superintendent of the parks blessed our ceremony because he was really scared that she was going to call it all off. Mm -hmm. We'd have done that for 20 years now. And uh, 
I will hope be invited to do that again after this particular uh, difficulty that we're all having and traveling and gathering. I was invited to Onondaga. Uh -huh. There's a group of very wonderful people, American Indian Institute, and they hold gatherings every year, and they've been doing that for 40 years when I was participating. Warren Lyons was on the board and other elders. Uh, Joe Medicine Crow, who received a Medal of Honor from the president. And an elder that I met, Ngongok, who is uh, our uncle from Greenland, mm -hmm. invited to his ceremony, fire and ice ceremony, to celebrate the melting of the ice in Greenland. Uh, the celebration was that Greenland will be green again. The problem is that all the ice that melts will go into the ocean and the sea level will rise. So in the 70s, he traveled the world, every major country, United Nations on several occasions, to share this information. Even was asked by President, Vice President Al Gore, wrote a book, Inconvenient Truth, and asked Ngogok to endorse. And he said, no, the elders are telling me that you did not do what you were told, you know, that you are still continuing the same processes that are destroying our planet. So I cannot, big, big, what's the word, confirmation of what we already know. Yeah. We know that we have been disrespectful of the natural law. We have presumed, assumed that our mother is a natural resource. The spiritual conscience of our, of our mom is, is a being that needs to be respected. She's a living being, and we are supposed to be taking care of her. Yeah. And instead, you know, we consume, 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 yeah. and in the process, destroy our future. I was also at an attendance at a gathering of prophet keepers, and it seems that we're all on the same page, indigenous folks realize. The, the, the change that will either um, be for our enhancement and our continuation is at hand. Mm -hmm. It's also a short trail to the end of everything. Yep. We are at that turning point. We've been there for several years, but yeah. it's very, very close to uh, what they call a collapse. Mm -hmm. I even brought an article about that uh, from the LA Times of last week. So the science is now up to snuff. They're, they're catching up. But we've been trying to tell them for hundreds of years, and most recently through these interactions with governmental bodies. When you asked me about our separation and the polarization and the division among the world's people, mm -hmm. it comes from that. It comes from our disrespect of the natural law and what we were originally obligated, responsible for, which is wherever you are, you're responsible for. So the people here were responsible for taking care of this place. The people in India were responsible for taking care. And so it is around the world. And everybody knew that. So you know who I am, why I'm here, and we're going to put the world back together again and create peace and harmony. Okay. <laughs> now people are going to, and they do laugh at me sometimes. But I believe it. Yeah. I believe it with my whole heart. And I'm here because <clears throat> I need help. Thank you for inviting me. As I was listening to you speak, I felt like I was listening to my own elders growing up. Oh, right. So thank you. I 
I think that feeling of instilling in the next generations of gratitude and responsibility and, and taking care of the the earth and of each other that's not that's actually a common thread that's something that we all exactly. all have exactly. right and exactly. and it might come to us in different forms but I, I was getting goosebumps just listening to you because I was like this is what I grew up hearing and this is what I believe and what I try and pass along to other people as well so it's nice to be able to have this format and this conversation to to again see those those similarities as opposed to the differences right and there's a a prayer that actually we say that is giving thanks and asking for permission about the land and i was taught you say it every morning before you get up and before you walk on the earth so i'd be happy to chant that as well yeah, I'm very important. Yeah. Our awareness of what yeah. is being shared by the natural world. Yeah. When we go walking, I mean, I, I've led people into the wilderness, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful to introduce people into how a lot of folks just want to run up the trail. Yeah, and they do. Yeah. And I would wait. We first of all have to ask permission. We're entering into the home of our relatives, our relations. And so I always uh, make sure that everybody, you know, gets in a spiritual mode. Okay, we're going to ask permission. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make an offering so that all the spirits know that we're here to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And to share whatever we have as a gift. And I always carry tobacco, of course, and let everybody make their offering into the... We always go to begin a, a journey uh, into the water course. So all these trails, they begin at a creek or someplace. So that's where you begin. Mm-hmm. The cycle of water, the, the water itself, is the life force. This is where the life energy is. And so you want to talk to that. Yeah. And all the beings that live from that water will listen. And so you can make an introduction and it'll become more available to you. Amazing things can happen when you're walking in meditation, mm-hmm. listening to what's being presented. <laughs> Amazing things. Yeah. I've been really moved here. Each individual person is special. Mm. I truly believe that we are all part of God. The prayer that I just began a while ago begins with... The spark in the great mystery in God is the same spark in my heart, and it lives forever and ever and ever. It is what binds us together as a human family. We are all part of God, and so we have to honor that. My, my true name, or my spiritual name, I mean, I've been given a, a, a name when I was born. I'm John Arthur Cisneros, mm-hmm. and my family referred to me as Art, so that's what I use. But when I was in business, you know, when I was working and in school, it's always your first name. You're yeah. John. Yeah. And so I found out that in a previous lifetime, people knew me as John a long, long time ago. And so, you know, that's okay because I, 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 have, I have a significant understanding of who I was in that previous lifetime. Mm-hmm. or who I was connected to. My name translates my spiritual name. <clears throat> I am the earth man with a good heart. 
And the Shumish word is like really long. I am Agu Atahata And I thought I was going to be, you know, standing bear or something, you know, flying eagle. No, you're the earth man with a good heart. I went to a gathering at Standing Rock, and this is not during the occupation, but a celebration afterwards. And there was a huicho from Mexico, and we were sharing a cigarette. You know, we, we smoked, and he saw that I smoked, so he came over. And through the translation, <clears throat> he asked who I was, and I said, Soy el hombre de la tierra con buen corazón, corazón. And his eyes lit up. Y yo también. <laughs> yo soy you know, earth man with a good heart. Yeah. It, it turns out to be how we can identify ourselves as connected to the earth and sharing our heart to, in communication as well as in our relationships. So it's, it's common. Yeah. I'm a common guy around the world, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty, it's, I think that anyone who probably spends 30 minutes with you will recognize you as an earth man with a good heart. Yeah. Certainly. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Certainly. Thank you. I'm doing okay then, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're living up to your, to your name. So the path that you describe towards healing seemed to me to be deeply spiritual and baked into many religious traditions. I mean, you've spoken about a commitment to responsibility. You've talking, talked about, of course, compassion, even a sense of discipline and a commitment to truth. And those, all of these things seem to strike me as themes that, that show up over and over again in religions worldwide. And it's hard to do those things. And that's why they're talked about, I think, in, in religious spaces, because these are things that are, I believe, part of us, but they can be hard to cultivate mm. because our natural bent can be towards hoarding because sometimes we feel insecure about whether we're going to have enough and that manifests itself in so many different ways. But to be committed to taking care of those around us and not hoarding wealth and resources and food for ourselves can be really difficult. And I'm interested in hearing about maybe a practice that is important to you to help you cultivate the kind of person that you want to be to be the person who can take part in healing the world? Wonderful question. I do a daily practice which gets me connected and reminds me of my responsibility to, to do that, to help heal the world. The daily practice that helps remind me of that is the prayer I shared with you. I do this every morning and when I wake up in the middle of the night, I say my prayer. And it begins with uh, the invocation of, first of all, the recognition of that I am a spark, mm -hmm. that I am part of God. So my perception is I can affect every other spark. But it begins with me, I gotta light up. My spark has to be bright uh, to, to have an effect on anyone else so that they can see me and not be afraid. So the, 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 the prayer, I actually wrote it down, I will call out to the spirit world and all of our relations 
not only here, but throughout the universe. So I will call not only the ancestors, but the sky, the stars, the moon, the sun, as well as our mother earth, the consciousness of those energies, those beings. We come from the stars. We're made of stars. I, I actually saw myself as stars at one point in a ceremony. We call on everything that we are on this planet from wherever we are. So here, I call on the energies of the east where the sun rises. And from the north where it's cold and the wisdom that comes from that. And of course, the western gate where all the souls go. I want to invite the ancestors to come be with us. And from the south where this where the people of the South take care of, of the Southern Hemisphere. I call on the elements themselves. Uh, I am probably more intimate with the fire. That's who I am. I take care of the fire. The element of water, which runs through all of us, which is part of the ocean. I am, I am part of that, of the water of the world. Each breath, measures my life I can I can only hold my breath for you know a very short time a reminder that we're here as long as we can breathe we're breathing animals so the wind plays a big part in my connection I want to be able to sing on occasion <clears throat> we are made of the earth we are literally, everything that's in us comes, you know, we can break this down into molecules and eventually atoms. And all those atoms of carbon and, and all the other things are here. And even some of the books, you know, the Bible. And then God made, you know, from the mud. I call on all of our relations in, in the wind, you know, the the eagles and the hawks and the owls and the hummingbirds. Everything that walks on the, on the, on the land, the bears, wolves, uh, turtles, snakes, creeper crawlers, <clears throat> and all living things that are green, uh, specifically oak trees and tobacco. Uh, the stones that we call stones are actually ancestor, ancient ones. There's several ceremonies that actually use these first people of the world to, to suffer for us again as, as hot stones and to create ceremony around what the Lakota call the Inipi ceremony, a sweat lodge is Inipi ceremony. It's the stone people lodge. That's what it's about. And here we, we have a, a place called, people used to call it Tamascal, the Mexican people. But here we had Opioc, which was an underground chamber. So I'm, I'm calling all that I know. And some of those stones, we can also make a sacred pipe. And Lakota do it, and I think around the world people do it. You have to be real intimate with that stone. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the people of the world. I invite 
everyone. So in the invocation, I'm inviting creation to listen, to be witness, so that I can communicate with all of it in the moment, whatever ceremony that I'm doing, or just a prayer that I'm putting. There are special occasions when, when we want to take advantage of the alignment of celestial bodies. So the summer solstice, the winter solstice, the equinoxes are moments, also full moon, mm -hmm. uh, new moons, whenever there's an alignment that creates an opening. All these things are, are part of what's sacred and our relationship with the sacred empowers us. It is very similar to, to something that I practice daily as well. And so I say these two shlokas or stanzas in particular. And the first one, you know, you talked about when you first wake up, you acknowledge that spark that's within God or the divine. You acknowledge that that also exists within you. And it's a similar prayer where we say, and there's different forms, but this is the one that I say, but Karagre um, Vasate Lakshmi, Karamule Saraswati, and that means that Lakshmi, which is the goddess of wealth, is in your fingertips. Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, is in your the base of your palm, and in the center is Lord Govind. And because God resides within you, within your own hands, you're giving thanks for that and acknowledging that. And then the next shloka is Samudra Vasane Devi. And samudra means ocean, parvata means mountain. So you're saying that Devi, Parvati, or you know, this Devi Mata or Mother Earth, the divine feminine energy, she wears the ocean as her garments. The mountain is her body. And we essentially are then asking that before I step onto you, please forgive me for stepping onto you. Wow. And so, I mean, different language, but saying the same thing, right? So, so. you're absolutely right. Every culture in the world began around a fire. That's the beginning of all spiritual practices. We all were there, you know, yeah. at the same We just forgot. Mm -hmm. And depending on who created that current religion, whether it's Hinduism or Buddhism or uh, being a Muslim or whatever, somebody decided to change that simple action into the necessity to build a cathedral or a mosque or yep. uh, why, you know, was my question. <clears throat> it's right here around you, yeah. the sacred the, the sacred spaces where we are, where other human beings gather, is a sacred space. Mm. All my teachers was that I remember would say, "Do it your way." Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to be. We each have a different way of seeing the world, and so you develop your own way of interacting with it. Yeah, there's some wonderful, wonderful teachings that I've been exposed to. And it all comes back down to the same thing, you know. Wherever you are, do what you can with what you have where you're at. And, and to, to 
and to teach people that one person at a time can. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so grateful for this invitation to converse with all of you. I'm really having a good time. Would you be willing to offer a blessing or mm -hmm. something for us and for the listeners, all who call Santa Barbara home? I would be honored to <clears throat> share. The blessing comes through me. I'm not such a holy person that I can just touch somebody and transform them. I mean, there are some yogi and some really wonderful people who's just being in their presence can, can change you, you know. So I'm asking, I'm asking my connection to the spirit world to come through and to call on all that's good, all that's beautiful, all that is kind and generous to bless these wonderful people that I'm with. Bless you with health and happiness and protection, safety, abundance for you and your families and all those people that you are in relationship with. May you all enjoy happiness and joy. May it please you, may it please you. Kwame, Kwame, Kwame. Thank you for joining us in conversation with Art Cisneros. I really appreciated hearing Art's journey and his connection with his ancestors and all creatures and plants of this land. It was a refreshing opportunity to reintegrate with our roles and responsibilities in and towards nature, and it was a beautiful reminder of what we all hold sacred. Please continue these conversations by sharing the episodes with your friends and family, and picking up the conversation from your own experiences and wisdom. Next week, we'll be having a conversation with Nikki Ramage, an associate pastor at the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, which will be the final episode for this season of the Human Family Podcast. If you've enjoyed this show, click subscribe, share it around, and send us a message on social media to let us know what you've appreciated. We'll continue to promote our episodes on social media, so follow us and share our posts on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Human Family Pod.